0: Log Talk Radio. It's already done. It's, it's the Pressure Points Unpacked Podcast with host Tyra Little. We're live Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. This show deals with personal and community issues by getting to the root cause and causes on an open and raw level. We're unpacking emotional, spiritual, mental and physical topics that influence and often control us. Get ready to unload, examine, and process. Let's get unpacked on Never Handed So Good Sports Media Network, Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time.
1: Hello, and welcome to Pressure Points Unpacked, where we're transforming Tuesdays spiritually, mentally, emotionally and physically. I'm your host, Tyra Little, and my co-host for the month of August is licensed professional counselor supervisor Shamik McPherson, who is a founder of Clear Vision Counseling and Elder Shepherd Drayton Jr., who's the missions pastor of New Refuge Church in Pauli's Island, South Carolina. Today, our guest is Andrea Drayton, wife of Elder Shepherd Drayton and mother of DeAnka Drayton. Today, we're going to dive into the cycle of traumatic grief. So let's get unpacked. So today I want to start out with allowing Andrea, I thank you so much for being a part of the show today. And I want to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself to the listeners.
2: Well, thank you, Tyra, also for having me on your show this evening. Um, Like you said, my name is Andrea Drayton. I am the wife of Shepherd. Drayton, Jr., of 32 years. I am the mother of three children. Um, My eldest daughter, Deonca Drayton, was one of the victims of the post-nightclub shooting in Orlando, Florida, in June of 2016. I am also the CEO of 3D Initiative, which is a charitable nonprofit, yeah, excuse me, that I did, uh, create in honor of my daughter. Um, I'm also a nurse by profession and also an overcomer of a traumatic incident. Amen. Amen.
1: I love it. I love the introduction. Um, I, again, you know, um, just want to give both of you guys, uh, my condolences. Um, and you know, again, just thank you. Um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, really glad to hear, and I'm getting choked up myself here, I'm glad to hear you make the statement of an overcomer of the traumatic grief. So with that, um, Shamik, I want to ask you um, to give us a working definition of traumatic grief. Hello, everyone. Uh, Tyra, I want to thank you for having me on again. Um, traumatic grief, I think sometimes we, we are definitely uh, familiar with the word trauma and we're familiar with the word grief, but sometimes we miss the fact that they can actually be combined. So traumatic grief is a combination of the grief, which is a lost experience, but that lost experience is heightened by the fact that something traumatic happened in the process. So um, I think the most important part of that definition when we look at traumatic grief is to define what trauma is. Uh, The Diagnostic Statistical Manual, DSM-5, that's what we use when we diagnose people that come in for treatment. That's an insurance requirement. So we use it for different uh, mental health diagnostic criteria and different things like that. So in the Diagnostic Statistical Manual, We define trauma as an event, threatened death, actual death, or serious injury, or sexual violence. But, you know, there's so many other things that can be considered traumatizing that you have to dig a little bit deeper into those specific things, uh, traumatic exposure to death. There's also military combat experience that can be traumatic. There's also uh, vehicular accidents that can be traumatic, physical mm-hmm. or sexual assault, of course. And um, also, we have to consider that surviving a traumatic childhood is also um, a considered a trauma. Trauma at its lowest level is present in physical and emotional neglect. Um, there's also, you know, natural disasters. That's also a traumatic experience. And then we're also seeing in our modern culture that we experience more mass casualty events uh, in America than we can actually mm. think of. And also we can add into that lump uh, terrorist acts, foreign and domestic. And then there's also law enforcement violence that we've been exposed to in the media. So all of those things encompass trauma. And then we add on that there is a loss. Of some kind mixed in with that trauma, and it, it just—it's an impact that some people don't really get the chance to understand that it is a little bit more than just the grief. It's the trauma that goes along with it. <laughs> wow. Um, whoa, that's that's a lot. Um, uh, wow, that that really is—that's um, that's a lot because I think sometimes. Um, you you have different life experiences and you don't take the time to like really separate them. Um, you don't really take the time to separate them. And so that's one of the reasons why I really, I'm, I'm an advocate of, of counseling. Um, because to me it's just, it's definitely, it's, it's mandatory. It's necessary because different things are pointed out that you wouldn't even join it together like that. Um, even though we've had a segment on childhood trauma, um, I did not think about circling back and saying the childhood trauma, putting it with traumatic grief. Um, so that's 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 a really good and valid point that you made. I just, you know, I'm I'm loving this because this gives me a lot of exposure to different things or seeing it from a different side that I never never even thought of it that way. Um, Elder Shep, you have anything you want to add to that?
0: Uh, Well, good afternoon, everyone. It's it's good to be here again. Uh, Tyra, I thank you for this opportunity. Shamik has really been uh, great in educating me in a lot of areas, and I'm just grateful to be a part because there's so much that I can take from this, and I realize just in our everyday uh, ministry, working with the community and working with people, um, you know, just on Saturday I had to talk with a couple guys who whose parents moms were uh in a pretty traumatic situation um maybe grieving because um you know one of the brothers were locked up in prison for a very long time if not life and so it just made me go back to the show and um the education that I've experienced and and I've learned just in that one show on last week and I realize mm-hmm. just how big the need is for our community. There's so much going on, and mm-hmm. we're affected by it in so many different ways. And the more we're educated, the better we, the better equipped we are to deal with it.
1: Right, right. I wholeheartedly agree. So you kind of um, led me right into um, my next question for Shamik. And so Shamik, what can you can you give us? Like, can you tell us what does traumatic grief look like? Well, of course, you know with grief, we're going to have the basic uh, things that we talked about last week. Grief is going to be sadness. It's going to be crying. Uh, you can experience sleep issues, decreased appetite, isolation from others. That's the grief component. But when we look at the trauma side of it, which is a which, in my opinion, is a very is a very impactful thing to have trauma in your life because. It's very important for us to understand. I think one of the things that I always do when people come in for treatment, if they're being treated for just anything basic, if they have depression or they have maybe a a severe uh, disorder like bipolar disorder, I always try to drive home, especially to uh, my clients of color, because we have a stigma that has been placed on the idea of I have a mental illness and I need help. So I always try to insert the component of understanding that not everything is about how you feel, and mm-hmm. some things are actually about what your body and your brain is doing, right? So yeah. when we think about the trauma component of the group, the traumatic component, it's important for us to note that trauma has the ability to, to affect the brain. It can change the way the brain processes information, so that's that's one of those things where we have to accept that when we have had a traumatic experience, it's not necessarily about us thinking ourselves happy or you know having the hope you know that that pastor uh, that elder Shepherd talked about uh, when he said we don't grieve like those who have no hope. sometimes it's not the hope factor. It is actually the biological brain factor that makes the difference. So if you have a trauma experience, you may need to see a counselor because your brain is going to be doing something completely different. And it's important mm-hmm. to note that you do not, like with the Drayton family, um, your loss has been traumatic and, and filled with grief. And, you are not the person no longer here, but that person is connected to you. So your trauma is what we call vicarious. It's it's you are you are exposed to the trauma via the loss. So it's one of those things where that even makes us take a step back and look at how often we are exposed to trauma vicariously and we may even be carrying it within our bodies and our brains, which I think that we are. Um, But the National Institute of Health did a study in 2006 that broke down uh, trauma and its effects on three important parts of the brain, the amygdala, the hippocampus, and the prefrontal cortex, which controls (laughs) stress, right? So when your brain has been traumatized, the amygdala, which is your emotional and instinctual center, It can go Mm -hmm. into overdrive, acting just as if you were experiencing the trauma for the first time. So you could be startled, and it's just like you're right back in that traumatic experience. You're right there in that moment getting that call. You're right back in the combat moment. You're right back in that moment where wow. you have no food and your parent is not home and maybe someone is knocking on the door and you're afraid. So your amygdala goes into overdrive and it puts you right back into that experience. Wow. Then you have the hippocampus, which controls memory. So trauma leads to a reduction in activity in the hippocampus and it function is to distinguish between past and present. So when you have a traumatic experience, your brain cannot tell the difference between the actual traumatic event and the memory of it. It's just like maybe a person who has been a combat veteran, they they hear a sound and they're right back in Iraq or they're right back in Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. And um, it perceives that things that trigger memories are threats to them right in that moment. And then the uh, the last area that's affected is the prefrontal cortex. Um, and it's responsible for regulating emotions and impulses. Your prefrontal cortex, uh, when it's traumatized, it becomes suppressed. So you're less capable of controlling fear. You're stuck in, in that reactive state is is hypervigilant. It's a a state of hypervigilance where you have to, your brain is constantly determining, do I fight? Do I uh, flee, freeze? What do I do in this moment? Mm -hmm. And if you think about that level of stress on the brain and the body, it can be absolutely exhausting. So think of a person who had to receive a phone call about someone passing you're, you're constantly in that reactive state when you hear that phone ring or when that news report comes on. Those are the, those are the things that the brain is doing because it's always in a constant reminder that I have to protect myself because something can happen because it's happened before. And also decision-making is in the prefrontal cortex. So that's also another area that we have to, you know, consider that's very important. It is going to make, have you deciding, is this real? Or is this is this just a memory? So that it, it's it's very it's like it boggles the mind. I always say trauma is just like taking confetti, and that confetti is your brain, and you kind of just toss it into the air, and you watch the confetti land wherever it lands. It scatters everything. Wow, wow, that's that's a great analogy. Um, wow, because I know for me. I actually had to stop watching the news and local news, um, and right now, to this day, I still don't watch local news. Um, man, confetti! Wow.
2: That's, but you know true. that, and
1: that's that's a perfect example. The the news and social media can be very triggering to a person mm-hmm. experiencing traumatic grief.
2: Mhm. Mhm. That's that's yes. very
1: true. That's that's, that's very true. I would even say this, too. I had um, a friend who had came over my house one day, and so there's a school that's nearby, and they have their microphone turned up so loud that I can sit in my house and I can hear, like, the different school announcements. And so we were standing outside, and when the microphone came on, um, the friend of mine froze. And he froze and he looked at me and then I was looking like, whoa, what, what's wrong? And once he got himself together, he said it took him back to Iraq. So any time that there's, you know, um, incoming, you know, they they are announced, you know, it goes out over a loud PA system like that, you know, um, even when he's driving and if the tires hit the sand, it instantly takes him back to that, you know. Um, Wow. Um, Elder show, Yes, ma'am. Um, when it comes to, I was just trying to think about how when you have different tragedies that, that happen um, in dealing with the traumatic grief and when you're looking at it from like a spiritual side, um, there was an example that someone shared with me Well, this is what they, how they identified it. They were saying that Sometimes when people have so many different things that are hitting them, and you know you're constantly trying to stay in that place of of faith and just holding on to holding on to god um mm-hmm. it gets to a point sometimes where that person goes through i want to call it like a what he said was a spiritual it was like a spiritual shock, so just like how the body can suffer so many different traumas and say for instance um they have to pull out gosh what is it called andrew when when they have to like shock the body um they classified it as being in a state of spiritual say it again
2: they use a defibrillator to shock you. yeah
1: yeah i couldn't yeah couldn't think of it so he was like you know it's almost like you need that hit of um it's like you go your body goes into such a spiritual shocked to where it's like you just back down you back away from everything dealing with god do i mean i'm trying to explain it the way it was kind of said to me but um i don't right, know i think right. you you understand what what i was trying to what i'm trying to say
0: I, I think i do i think i do um you know and and i think it it really stems from over spiritualizing life sometimes um mm-hmm. naomi in the bible Uh, She said I went away full But the Lord brought me back empty And She said the almighty has made me bitter And it was because She lost her husband and she lost her sons Mm
2: -hmm. And
0: A lot of times when we over spiritualize Things we we tend to kind of blame God or the church But faith, Faith really works Better with what You know and the Bible says My people perish for a lack of knowledge, and sometimes when we over-spiritualize, it's because we don't really have the knowledge we need to apply the faith correctly. So we apply faith in areas where we we need to be educated, and I think faith works better when we're educated. You know, it's better to know what is going on physically with you, mentally with you, emotionally with you, so that you can properly apply faith to it. Or, 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 uh, or a level of spirituality to it, but if you're just thinking that you know you're going to overcome everything just by the spirit, you know we right. we tend to grab certain parts of the Bible and we leave leave out other parts um, that bring all of it into perspective. And when we're off balance, you know, if we over spiritualize it and you know, we get into that place of spiritual shock because we expect God to do it. Mm-hmm. And if it's not happening because we're still feeling those same things internally, um, mm-hmm. it's probably because we need help. And that help is clinical counseling. That help is talking to someone who can probably help them to understand what they're going through um, a little better, which will allow them to take some of the pressure off of God, <laughs> to mm-hmm. speak, and put some pressure back on on them as an individual
2: mm, that's good that's good um andrea do yes. you think um
1: is, do you think there's a a connect um between between like the experiences that we're talking about in in those symptoms
2: Absolutely. Between, well um, your, I, what... go ahead no no go go ahead What I was going to say is um, sometimes, like my husband said, that, you know, we usually are uneducated when it comes to getting the clinical help that you need when we experience a trauma. And culturally, I think we have fallen way behind. Um, I often um, tell people when I was going to counseling and I went for a year and a half, and when I – Was going through those sessions for that year and a half, I can count on my one hand the number of African-Americans that came through that office. So what that told me was that people, we as a culture are, we are are sick mentally um, Mm -hmm. and we hold on to spirituality. um, And in that regard, sometimes, even from the spiritual aspect or from the spiritual standpoint, depending on where you are, um, spiritual walk in life, um, you can definitely totally miss it. And some experience for myself, um, I can say that spiritually, when it came to, and let's talk about an edifice or a church or, you know, wherever you may go um, to worship, that and that particular time that I was going through this trauma, I was not guided spiritually to get the mental help that I needed. So it took mm-hmm. me to take a step back within myself and analyze what I was going through, um, the things that I was experiencing, and realize that I really needed some help. Um, mm-hmm. And so sometimes I think you have to take uh <clears throat> introspect of yourself and Mm -hmm. see what's going on with you. And from that point, determine, um, you know, where you need to go from there. Um, And that can be challenging just depending on where you are in life and what your experiences are. Um, And me being in the health profession, I knew that what I was experiencing was something that I could not tackle on my own. So I definitely had to seek, you know, help outside of what I need for myself. Flaimer, um, when Tanique was talking about trauma earlier and how it affects mm-hmm. the brain, that a lot of times, even when I'm talking about the trauma that I experience, that I do have to really think about what I'm getting ready to say or how it comes out mm-hmm. because I do get stuck and right. I have to slow down, um, you know, and try to figure out how to get out what I'm actually trying to say, you know. Mm-hmm. so as your brain is concerned, I think you as a person, you you, you would never be the same. Right. You're a different right. person. So you're learning that person as well um, mm-hmm. as you're going through your healing process.
1: Right. I wholeheartedly agree, Andrea. Um, I've, I've shared with Shamik um, before that while I was, you know, going to school this particular time, I kept wondering why was I not processing and you know remembering things the way that you know I'm used to studying? Like it was totally different for me. Um, just just the whole the whole process, you know. Um, and I tell you, it it just kept constantly coming to me. Kept constantly, the Holy Spirit kept constantly coming to me that trauma rewires the way your brain process and and i kept right. hearing that and so finally i went and started googling and researching and found out you know that it did so like for me um sitting in a space like i i couldn't i couldn't sit in like uh the classroom setting and take a test without if somebody turned the chair their paper if they rattle it to them it was you know, really a soft, subtle little move, but to me, it was a compounded noise. You know what I'm saying? Um, You know, I watch, I'm startled. When I sit in the room, I have to make sure that I'm looking at, I can see the exits. I can see the exits and the entrance, you know, so it's like, um, and as they, they said it's classified as hypervigilance, you know, some of that does have to do with like military stuff as well. But um, when I look at, you know, just the other piece of how I actually process information is different now, so I, I definitely wholeheartedly um, um, agree with how you know you, you're you're a different person at this at this
2: point. Um, right, Elder Chef, I want
1: to ask you a question. Um, I know there yes. was a time when you were explaining, and I don't know exactly like if you remember step by step, but um, you were explaining about how like with women, like how with the brain with its processing. Remember
0: that conversation? Yes, yes. I, You know, because I observed my wife go through so much, um, we all did, but Mm a mother definitely goes through um, differently from the father and the siblings. And so I, I, you know, I started studying, you know, to evaluate what the deal was with that. And what I realized, and I'm not sure if my research is all correct, but, with a black woman, she has a, a a genetic ability to turn off grief for a moment, especially when there's others involved mm-hmm. and and we do that in a lot of cases I mean we did that when uh there was uh smallpox and malaria out and we were uh the black woman was able to create a sickle cell gene that's uh, made us survive through those things but she has the ability to turn off uh grief a portion of grief for a while and in doing that it allows her to function a partially function to handle and take care of the family but uh and Shanique if you know any information on this please help me out but but then it comes back like a ton of bricks or a avalanche you know, when those things are settled, and then she's left to just deal with it. And that's usually when everybody thinks you should be done with it, you should be over it, uh, when your church family has, says, okay, it's been a while now, I think she's okay, and she's usually left to her own demise or her her own pain, so to speak, um, uh, when all of this hit her at one time. And and that happens in our community more so than we know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, uh, you know, Elder Shep, what you just described um, was actually what we did, what we discussed in the prefrontal cortex, right? So you know, mm-hmm. it, trauma suppresses it, and you become less capable of controlling your fear, and you're stuck in a in a reactive state. And when you think about the history of Black women in this country, like our reactive. State is always to fight through a process.
0: Right, so right, Actually,
1: what you described is a trauma response. It's how our brain, you know, I don't think there's any science to back it up, but we can just look at, you know, who we are as a culture and who we are as a right. people and say that, that is, that's the prefrontal cortex in action. Uh, black, I typically tell women when they come and I, I say, oh, you have BWS. And they say, what's that? And I say, it's black woman syndrome. <laughs> and, and they, you know, you. I describe it as, you know, you you carry the weight of the world on your shoulders, mm-hmm. and the only time that you actually see that you actually need to put it down is when you start to fail at at juggling everything. So I think what you described is really just us fighting through those situations because uh, yeah, I I don't think we can get around the discussion of what we've. Experience on a trauma level, culturally, you know. Wow. So, and 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 you know, we, we can talk about epigenetics and, and the transition of anxiety and trauma within our gene system, uh, which is something I've been kind of like researching and going through. Um, but if if you just look at who we are as a culture, and think about how we've carried it, we call it generational curses and generational this, that, and the other but I think we have to get back to a place where we reframe that from, it's not, it may not be a generational curse. It may mm-hmm. not be a generational uh, family response, maybe it's generational trauma that we are actually right. playing right. out for the world to see. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, it is 30 and we're going to need to take a break. And when we come back, We're going to start talking a little bit, um, giving some other examples um, dealing with traumatic grief. This is Pressure Points Unpacked, and I'm your host, Tyra Little, and we'll be back. Your skin isn't just skin. It's a beautiful reflection of every single thing you've been through in life. Which is why Dove Body Wash renews your skin's ceramides and strengthens it against dryness. For instantly softer, smoother skin, you can lovingly embrace. Renew the love for your skin with Dove Body Wash. And welcome back to Pressure Point Sum I'm your host, Tyra Little. If you want to call in, and if you have any questions for us, you can call in at 914-205. Five three six one. So Shamik, I want to get into a little of uh, um, giving us some more examples of traumatic grief. Well, when we think of when we think of traumatic grief, and we kind of pull out the trauma uh, part of the grief, we
2: mm-hmm. can look
1: at people um, who've had a a loved one complete suicide. Uh, we can look at um, when there is a person who has um, had a family member that has been the victim of a homicide.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I think even on the flip side of that, that homicide part, we can look at families who are connected to someone who may have been the perpetrator of a crime. Um, that's also a traumatic grief issue. Um, we can look at family members who we may have lost through overdose. We can look at um, incarcerated parents for children. Remember, we talked about the lowest form of neglect is emotional and physical, um, and children often experience that sometimes growing up. When a a, a parent has been incarcerated, you know, that is a – and maybe that child witnessed that parent being taken away, Uh, that is also a a trauma and a grief-related issue. Uh, We have accidents. We have – uh, incidents where you know you have a plant explosion or something along those lines where it's a mass casualty accident and uh, you have people that are that are left to recover after the loss you have communities that are left to recover after these events um, medical crisis finding a loved one deceased that's traumatic grief uh, having to perform life-saving techniques during a medical emergency having to make difficult medical decisions to terminate a life of a loved one, that can be traumatic within itself. And then, of course, as we spoke about, uh, mass casualty events. We've experienced that right here in South Carolina, and and the Shepherds experienced it, and um, the Draytons experienced it, the loss of Deonca. So we, we have mass casualty events. And then we have instances of police brutality that have been on the rise I think we've seen it, like a lot of people say it's just filmed a little bit more. So, you Mm -hmm. know, the the police brutality is another component of it because a lot of times it's being filmed and it's being played repetitively, and Mm -hmm. um, we are absorbing that. We have terrorism, 9-11. I bet each one of us can tell you where we were and what was going on, 9-11. Right. Right? Right. Yeah, yes, yes. I can remember that day distinctively because I lived in D.C. My husband worked at the State Department, and I could not reach him. And he rode the train oh. through Pentagon City to get mm-hmm. to work. So imagine, <laughs> you know, acts of terrorism. I can. I have family members in New York. I remember my mom calling me and telling me, "Are you watching TV?" And, you know, I remember thinking of my husband and also my family members in New York and saying, Mommy, where does this person work and what's going on? Terrorism. Like, it's become, unfortunately, I don't think we really see these things as traumatizing because it's become our normal. But all of these things fit into that little basket of what is traumatic.
2: Right. Right.
1: Andrea, Chef, you have anything you
2: want? Elder Chef, you have anything you want to add to that? Well, um, I can add um, what uh, and, and identify with Shanique what she was saying about the the trauma, um, and you can remember she can remember where or all of us can remember where we were right. when nine eleven happened. Um, but also, I think trauma um, also can be complicated um, when you're dealing with a trauma on top of another trauma. So for Mm -hmm. example, if a child witnessed uh, some type of trauma uh, while they were younger, that could be, you know, uh, a loss of a sibling that can be, you know, a sexual trauma. And then as they get older, they experience another type of trauma, could be something totally different. Um, So I know for myself, growing up, there were specific traumas that I experienced as a child that I really didn't understand until I went through the trauma from the loss of my daughter, um, Mm -hmm. that those things pile up on top of each other, top of each other and get really complicated. So you have levels, different levels. If you um, can, you know, when you're dealing with rocks and you keep cutting down into the earth going deeper as you go deeper there's different layers of that rock you can see and how mm-hmm. it's formulated um so trauma can be the same the same way so you have different levels of trauma that you may have experienced as you were growing up and then compacted with trauma on top of that right so for me it was complicated <laughs> there were many right. things that i dealt with when I was younger um, that really didn't manifest until the loss of my daughter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and
1: you know what Andrea just, destri- this just described was complex trauma. We, we at times in treatment, we will see people that um, they just have multiple traumas and it it could, it can start from childhood and go all the way through adulthood and it could sometimes be the same trauma over and over it could be the loss of of several loved ones over and over it could be multiple right. uh domestic assault issues it could be and from different relationships it could be multiple sexual assault issues and that mm-hmm. is the compl- that's complex trauma and when you think of it like are we all kind of on that on that line of complex trauma with what we view in our country and media and wow. entertainment, like mm-hmm. we're all exposed. Right. Right. Exactly. So then that leads into the whole thing of um, entertainment grief. So could you give us a um, a definition, explain a little more, um, Shamik, of what entertainment grief, is what it what it looks like? Well, I, and this is this is something that I actually I actually it's not necessarily a defined term, um, mm-hmm. but I see that we have shifted to where we have become enamored with trauma in the grief process. Um, I don't know when that transition happened but I believe that it has caused us to be desensitized to what's going on. And, I mean, it's very telling that 70% of adults have have been traumatized in some way, And so mm-hmm. trauma has become culturally, and I don't know if it's just America, but um, I know trauma has become culturally the norm experience in our country. And, I mean, there are many ways that I can connect trauma and grief that are magnified by media exposure especially when we can just look back at last year and and look at uh george floyd's death and then also the death of several other young young black men and women um trayvon martin uh filando castile we can look at multiple instances where the media exposure is like oh look at this it's it's another thing for us to drool over and kind of just pick apart and um There are so many examples I can pull from to connect the negative impact of media on on traumatic grief. But one case stands out to me, and it happened in 2015. It was was a pair of um, people who were – a lady, she was a news reporter. Her name was Allison Parker and a photojournalist by the name of Adam Ward. They were doing a live interview, and during the live interview – they were murdered by a disgruntled former employee of the news station. Mm-hmm. Um, the person they were interviewing was injured. She survived, but those two individuals lost their life uh like like all of these cases, it was tragic and traumatic um, However, the murder happened live on television, and right. so there was video there was audio and still picture frames of the person who perpetrated the the crime. And you would think that our culture and our empathy and sympathy kicks in to not sensationalize this and to not be so uh, stuck on seeing exactly what happened. But people were able to watch these people be murdered on social media they could still see still frames of the perpetrator who more than likely wanted to be some type of martyr because a lot of times that's what they're looking for. They want you to remember their name. Mm-hmm. Um, there were national news stations that showed uh, partial clips of the segment. So imagine how that young lady's family felt where this is put out there over and over and over again. And I'm certain the Drayton, Mm-hmm. Um, have that same feeling, like they're yes. they're not in Florida, but we tend to memorialize and have right. anniversaries around these traumatic events without actually really considering that this memorial and this anniversary comes at the expense of someone else that's right um, and the the thing that stood out in this case was this young lady, Allison Parker's father he started to, started a fight against offensive material being posted on social media and other viewing sites like YouTube and Google. So the, the family would not have to be watching the news, and this information just pops up on the news. So mm-hmm. um, they were able to work with an organization that was able to have the material flagged as offensive. So now when you see those, uh, those disclaimers, like this, can obtain this. This may obtain some offensive material. It gives right. you that moment to say, "Do I click or do I pass?" That's mm-hmm. in part because of the work of Mr. Uh, Mr. Parker and another organization working to make that more of a thing in our culture, where people actually take, pause a moment to say, "This is graphic. This is offensive. I may not want to view this." But while the material was flagged as offensive. It's still available for people to view, right? So even right. though this family fought this, it's still out there. Ultimately, right. the website platforms bear no responsibility for third-party content, and that's <laughs> in part because of government policy in the U.S. Communications Decency Act, uh, Section Two Thirty. So, has, so so they're not liable. So they're not necessarily going to take it down. They'll just flag it and say, "Oh, you're we've warned you." And they they keep telling wow. the Parker family, "Oh, we're doing our best, but that material is still out there, so un- unfortunately, you know he is continued continuing the fight to um to kind of take these stuff down, and he's not been successful yet, but that leads us back to where do we stand in this fight against. Uh, sensationalizing traumatic grief and these, these terrible situations. And I mm-hmm. think I want – I say this because I want people to be mindful of what they're posting. Um, right. It, it, you don't always have to post the video or you don't always have to right. watch the video because you may be seeing whatever you want to see, but you may also be putting someone's grief on display.
0: And right. I think right.
1: i have to be mindful of, of that. If it put yourself in that family situation, that family
0: mm-hmm.
1: shoes, do you want your loved one to be constantly played in a loop? And you can see when they are no longer on this side. Like no one wants to see that. We don't right. protect ourselves from the trauma exposure a lot of time because we become desensitized to it. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. I call them triggers. People don't know what your trigger is. Something that may not be, like you said, Shanique, offensive to the person that's watching it, but definitely for the family, those are triggers that can, you know, really cause them to go back into a grieving process. Right. Right. And, you know, in our
1: media, our media doesn't really do a, 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 a great job of it either, because when you think about when certain things happen, like we can take the George Floyd incident, and I say that because that's one of the most recent, and it's been such a big debate about, you know, all these things around his his murder. But, you know, imagine being the parent of uh, Trayvon Martin or um, Ahmaud Arbery. That was one that was recent also, that we're going to mm. have to endure trial through that, um, you also have, you know, Philando Castile. So imagine being a family member and something happens and the media is like, oh, let's get this piece together on this. And you're sitting there watching the nightly news and then your loved one, scene of whatever happened flashes across the screen. So it's like, what do we do with that? What do we do with that as people? Right. Um, I mean, and it's, and it's very triggering. Um I was because I ended up cutting on the TV and this is what I'm seeing. My child's face flashed over the screen. You know, they even actually um, gave his name before. No, no, no one even said, "Hey, well, have you notified everybody that you need to notify?" I mean, they just right. dropped his his name and I'm starting to get phone calls from people. You know, even I will give you even here's another one. Wikipedia. Oh my God. Mm. So. I ended up, I don't know if someone told me or I I don't know what caused how I ended up doing, but I searched. It popped right up. And what angered me so was that the story was incorrect because I never called the police on my son. The story was so incorrect. And I went on because it looks as if you can correct it to tell, you know, exactly what happened. I went to correct it. And... Every time I tried to hit, you know, the save, it went right back. So I had to actually contact them. And, I mean, it took, it was months before someone responded to me, you know. And when they did, they were very apologetic. But it just goes back to one of the things that really angered me with the news is they will report the story, however they got it. They don't check to see if, if, if it's true. And even when they do find out the truth about what happened, they never go back and correct, and so, Absolutely. right. And so, as parents, you find yourself having to. And I know Andrea and Elder Elder Shep can can attest to this. You know, with them, you find yourself having to still defend your child. You know, right. and so. You know, and and so with that, that explains the reason why, you know, you may have people that's asking, well, why do y'all go to this every year? Well, they have to make sure that they're the representation of their child, you know? And so, I mean, you you can speak to it better than, you you, you know, you can speak to that part of that, Andrea. But, I mean, you know, you have people that don't understand why you're doing this, but this is why. You are still, that is still your child. It will forever be your child. You know, and you have to be the person that defends them. You know, you have have no choice, you know.
2: Right, right. And I can say for us, like you said, Tyra, um, you do have to be your child's voice because they are no longer here to represent themselves. And what you'll find with the media is that wherever they can get a story, whoever Mm -hmm. they can get a story from, it does not matter. They just want a story. So um, we've had stories put out on our daughter that we had no clue was even out there. I mean, Mm -hmm. people claiming to be her parents' uh, children. (laughs) She never had any children. So it it was just insane, Um, just what people will do just for attention. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, like you said, we did have to contact some of the media outlets to let them know, hey, we are the parents. You did not come to us and ask us what kind of information you wanted regarding our daughter. You're going to people who don't even know her, people who don't even know us, just to give you a story just so you can post it. What type of integrity right. is that? So, like you said, every year, yes, we do go to Orlando, and we will continue That's because right. we have to represent who she is. That's right. That's right. That I
1: mean, that is the you right know. No. I'll I say this and then I'll give it back to you, Shameik. Um, You know, there's another thing that I really hate when it comes to the media. It's like um, if they're there at a funeral service, you're looking for vulnerable shots and you want to display people grief all over the screen, you know? I mean, and then you have people that are, you know, wondering, and, and, and here's the thing, even before it got to the point where people were so is taking pictures and all of this stuff, you know, um, at funerals and everything, but you had you 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 have people that are. It seems like they're looking for to capture the worst moment of your life, and and they're excited about it. and They're questioning, "Oh, well, how the family did at the funeral? Well, how are you? Are you freaking serious? Wow, how do you? I mean, that. I mean, to me, it just. I I, I don't know. It's just. It just seems again like people's grief have really become it's, it's like some form of 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 entertainment for others i mean they're they are definitely desensitized and i just don't think that people realize every time they watch these things over and over again what they're doing to their own system you, you know and i think that you guys made um made a great point from your experience with you know, the loss of, the traumatic loss of your your loved ones. And it led me to kind of really examine, like, I think when you experience something like this, especially, I don't know, well, I I think it can go across many communities, but specifically in our community, it's like when something like this happens, you no longer own your story. It belongs to someone else. Mm -hmm. And I I think that we see that played out multiple times where you, just like uh, Andrea said, they may not want to go to Florida to participate in certain events and this, that, and the other, but they actually have to go because someone else will claim ownership.
2: But Mm -hmm. I think
1: another factor in that situation is we tend to take this traumatic grief situation and we no longer let the family sit back and mourn and heal, we want them to be thrust into the spotlight to say how did you overcome? Tell me what you're going through. I must know that you're doing all of these things because it's so important. While honoring your your, uh, family member's loved one is important, I think that we have pushed the narrative so hard that oh, look at this resilient mother of uh, Trayvon Martin. Look at the resilient mother of, um, what's the young boy that passed away in Ohio? I can't remember his name. But, like, you know, look at these mothers. They're grieving. Uh, The young man in Florida, Jordan, who was killed in a car, by the man that Mm. started the car because of loud music. His mom ran for office. I think Trayvon's mom ran for office. So, Mm -hmm. and I'm not discrediting their motives for doing these things because, I understand it's about their children's legacy, right. and it's also about policy, right? It's right. about policy. Right. need policies in right. place for gun control. We need policy in place that, you know, that's for discrimination and hate crimes. We need those policies in place, so maybe those mothers have been pushed in that direction to take up that fight. Their loss is not meaningless, but I think that when someone has gone through something and they're not rebounding like Miss Martin or they're not rebounding like Jordan's mom or they're not rebounding like Sandra Bland's mom or whoever's mom, we have to take a step back and not demand anything from them. Because right. they've given enough.
2: Right, right.
1: Exactly. I mean and you could look at even the fact of what what Andrea um the the organization that has formed out of an honor of her children. I mean, this, this is what we do. Pressure points unpacked. This platform is in honor in support of, of, of Ajani, you know? Right. Um, and, and so, you know, it's a way of, for me, because I, I, I often say it and I will continue to say it. I do not believe in healed with the ED. I look at mm-hmm. it as a healing with the ING because there is forever. There's a process, Um. you know, We've carried these children for nine months. And so Absolutely. you're going to tell me that I can be healed with the EV when their birthdays mm-hmm. come up, when there's different things that happen in the family, there's different holidays, there's celebrations. You could be walking in the store and hear something. Anything can trigger a memory. I think about my child every day just because he's no longer here doesn't mean that I don't think about him every. I think about him every day just like I think about my other children. There's no difference, That's you know. Right. Um. You know, so um I, I, I don't know, this uh I, I will even say this. I even had someone to refer to um some mothers that have lost their children as talent. <laughs> and it angers oh, wow. me t-
2: talent? Wow.
1: Are you are you wow. serious right now? I mean, so it just tells you the point of what you have to go to. Um, at this point now, just like as how you hear about, um, you have these different attorneys that are, you know, people have to get entertainment attorneys. I mean, the different things mm-hmm. that have to be put into place to keep somebody else from profiting
2: off of the loss of your children. That's right. I, That's I right. just,
1: and I know you can speak to that, Andrea.
2: Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> It's it's sad, but yeah, you you know we've had family members try to sell paraphernalia in our daughter's name, which we didn't know anything about until we saw a posted picture on Facebook. So you know it's 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 crazy, but it's out there and it happens. Right, Um, right, right, right. Elder
1: Shelf, you got anything you want to add?
0: Yeah, um, you know when legacy is lost, then legacy is created. And the thing about it is who is creating that new legacy. And if there's not someone who has an uh, intimate relationship or vested uh, value for the legacy that's lost, then that new created legacy may not all be true. And as mm-hmm. a black people, we are very familiar with that because uh, for, for, from slavery, we were robbed a legacy. And then that new legacy that was created you know, puts us in this crab in the barrel mentality, and so when when there's a loss, then you know there is a desire to at least create a correct legacy, and you know pressure point unpacked uh, the 3D initiative and there's so many more that is out there. Um, I believe that is very helpful in even in the grieving process. To do something to honor that legacy and to correct mm-hmm. the name, uh, the correct, you know, um, you know whatever lies may lay uh, uncorrected, you know there's there's a there's a there's a desire to extend truth, so to speak, um, and it's something that as a black people we are so familiar with and um and you know i think this is why this platform is important because it allows that dialogue to take place in homes and across our communities that may help and encourage and give information to those that um are really needing it
2: right right
0: right
1: um you guys i want to put i need to put this out before we get ready to end so please listeners hold on for me um before we come back and give any closing remarks. But as, as some of us may know, and some may not, um, South Carolina is one of the three states that does not have any type of hate crime bill on the books. And so the FBI has put together a symposium um, in four different locations in South Carolina. And so you're able to go to um, the FBI.gov in order to find this information out so you can register for it. You can also go to Pressure Points Unpacked on Facebook. That information is there as well as Pressure Points Unpacked on Instagram. But on Saturday, let's see, this says Saturday, August 21st, um, from 1 to 4 p.m., they will be in Charleston. Saturday, August 28th, 1 to 4, they will be here in Columbia. Um, at the Cooperative Cooperative Conference Center um, Saturday September the 11th they will be in Greenville and Saturday September 25th they will be in Myrtle Beach um, please go on pressure points unpack Facebook as well as Instagram whichever one you can please make sure you look at the information get the link so that you can register, it is important to be informed. And as you know, I talk about a lot of times too. I mean, as we know, we we want if we want to see a change, we have to be in these type of symposiums. We we have to be in you know in the forefront of trying to get laws changed. Um, we have to do our part. We can't sit back and complain and not try to be a part of the solution. So. We have these opportunities. We need to make it happen. Please share that information with your friends, family, loved ones, because we really, really, really need to get this information out. Um, also, um, that's, that's all I have for the FBI part. I want to give everybody else the opportunity to share, give some some type of last um, last thoughts that you have. So, Andrea, I want to start with you.
2: Well, again, I thank you, Tyra, just for having me on tonight. Um, And I am grateful and just thankful to be able to be on such a platform as this. And what I want people to know is when you're dealing with grief, take your time and deal with it the way that it should be dealt with in a respectful, helpful manner, meaning get the help that you need in order to help you succeed. Good stuff. Good stuff.
1: Elder Shep?
0: Yeah, I just wanted to mention that I think that the church need to do a better job at when we're giving Bible studies and sermons to really look at the characters in the Bible for who they are because there's a lot of depression, there's a lot of mental illness in some of the characters. And sometimes church Mm -hmm. – Uh, uh, As we evaluate the Bible, we deitize these people, and we don't realize that they suffered from the same things that are currently in our communities now. And if we take the time to digest those things or to dissect them and allow the congregation to see these individuals from a different perspective, it may welcome some of the mental counseling that they need to take as individuals. Wow, that's
1: good. That's, that's really good. Um, wow. Never thought about that with the different people that, yeah, going back and looking at that in the Bible, that they are showing that they agree. Um mm-hmm. Everything yeah. that you need that we're experiencing is there. <laughs> it's there. Um, yeah. Shami. Well, I just want to say that um first of all i I'm, I'm honored to be around uh, such resilient people uh, both families uh Tyra your family and the Drayton family you have endured um, you have endured some of the most difficult days uh, with the loss of your loved ones and um, I am so honored to be around people who have fought for their resiliency people who are fighting to be to be uh, not healed, easy tired, but the process of, of, of moving forward. Um, and I just want to say that, um, you guys inspire people to continue on, um, when you got to the place where you were ready, you know, pressure, pressure, uh, points was made, and then we have 3d initiative. So I just want to say that your resilience is something that more of us need to see that because of this experience, I can still move forward. I can still carry on. So I'm honored uh, to be sitting on this platform with you guys and just giving, you know, clinical inputs. But I've learned so much about resiliency from each of you. And and Elder Shep uh, keeps giving me little nuggets about the church uh, and things to consider um, as a believer. Uh, Legacy lost. Legacy needs to be created. I wrote that Mm -hmm. down because that makes sense makes sense to me but um i just yeah. want to say thank you and i look forward to next week and looking forward to the next topic topic and looking forward to learning even more with you guys definitely I, I i'm definitely loving the platform and i just i thank all of you all for giving of your time to be on here i definitely um appreciate it um we want you guys to make sure you join us back next tuesday at 6 p.m eastern share it with someone um, we're going to continue to be here for you and we want you to be here so you can listen. if you have any input, things that you may want us to discuss, please hit me up on the different social media platforms um, as well as please call in. you know call call in with your questions, your comments. Um, we would love We would love to hear from you. So again, this is Pressure Points Unpacked and I'm your host Tyra Little. and we will see you on next Tuesday.
0: It's already down